Welcome to Podcaster News Show, episode number 39. This is the podcast where we round up some recent articles about podcasting that were not quite enough on their own for us to cover them over at podcasternews.com. My name is Sean Thorpe, and I'm with... I'm Jen Thorpe. And what is our first item on today's list, Jen? Our first item is one you may not be expecting um, because it doesn't cover podcasting in the United States or the UK or a lot of the other you know, topics we've come across. This one is from the Korea Junang Daily Paper. I guess it's a paper. Um, and it's a Korean uh, website and it's a news site. The title of the article is Podcasts Become Viral Hit with Koreans. And I'm not sure who wrote the article exactly, but it, that's where it's at. And it's kind of an interesting article when you look at it. Um, first of all, I mean, I, it hadn't occurred to me that podcasts are becoming big in Korea. Right. You know, like I just didn't really even think about that. Um, the other interesting thing is it's, um, I guess, people are starting to make money as podcasters there. Right. Like just recently, they're starting to be able to do that. And it's got a little story in here about somebody that was doing that. And well, I'd, I'd argue that only recently most people have been able to make any money in podcasting anywhere, but that's another story. Right. But I mean, like, I don't know. I guess it's happening there too. Okay. <laughs> so for just a few people, I don't know how well it's going in uh I don't know how well it's going over there, but the other thing that's interesting is there's a leading company um, in Korea's podcast scene. It's called Podbabang, P-O-D-B-B-A-N-G. Yeah, I was uh, trying to figure out exactly how we might pronounce that, and I, I don't know if you know it's called Pod Podbang or I do. I do like calling it pod babang. Well, it's, it's if you pronounce I mean, it from an English speaker perspective, right. that's what it looks like. It sounds like fun, like radio boom and you know, pod babang. I don't know. Pod babang. Yeah. Um, You've been pod babang. <laughs> so um, that's you know that's the leading company over there, and it seems like uh, it says here seventy percent of Korea's podcast listens come from that company, which was launched in twenty twelve. Twenty percent of listeners go to iTunes. So it's beating iTunes over there. Yeah, that is one of the more interesting facts from this article because we are so iTunes-centric, mm -hmm. especially in North America, when it comes to podcasts. You wouldn't even think that, well, there might be these regional podcast hubs or whatever and of course, the the first thing that I would think of as a podcaster is, well, how the heck do I get my podcast into Pod Babang? But the likelihood is that's not possible. <laughs> I'm just guessing, but I don't I, know. I don't know. It doesn't really. It's not really an article about Pod right. Babang. But I mean, seventy percent of Korea's podcast listeners are getting their podcast from that, and only twenty percent of podcast listeners in Korea go to iTunes, and the remaining ten percent go to different other foreign services. But um. Yeah, Podbabang, if that's how you say it, uh, has over 2 million subscribers just on its own, all by itself. Yeah. And that's huge, you know? I mean, if you think about it, like, compared to, like, iTunes isn't doing as well over there now. It could be a language barrier kind of thing because, um, you know, iTunes tends to focus on English-speaking podcasts. And I know if you go to different countries and you yeah. look for that, it might have different, you know, languages. But um, it, it, it's not... Uh, it's not serving the needs of Korean podcast listeners as well as their I, their own system there is doing. You know, the one of the first graphs in this article, I really have to just 
crack a smile a bit at this statement only because of the overall, I guess, history of what it's been like trying to make money in podcasting in general. And it says, we won't be taking home any money for at least a year, said journalists uh, Lee Cook-Myung and uh, Park Sung-Hoon to their wives when they decided to turn podcasting into a career last year. I'm like, you know, that is incredibly optimistic, and it makes me wonder if these uh, journalists were maybe not well-informed or if really the prospects for podcasting are just that good in Korea that well, they it figured, seems, well, it in seems a year, they we'll are. be making some money. No, it <laughs> seems they are because I guess their podcast series is called Economic Briefing, The Uncomfortable Truth. I have yeah. no idea exactly what they cover. Probably I wouldn't understand the language at all, but um, it turns out that the first earnings came three months later, not even a year. Yeah, so yeah. overall not too bad. And they it says here that they raised money through... Crowdfunding yeah, and Yeah, listener some stuff donations too. and some advertising. So Yeah. But I have been podcasting now for 12 years. And for, I would say, the first nine to 10 of those, the attitude was more along the lines of, well, you might make money, but you probably never will. Right. Mm -hmm. So enjoy it for what it is. And these guys came into it and said, well, we probably won't make any money for at least a year. And three months later, there they are. And, you know, that some money now turned out to be true for them. And I think it's turning out to be true for more people overall, uh, more often than it used to be. But I, I still, I'm still, I guess, a, a little old fashioned in, in my attitude. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think the majority of podcasts across, you know, any country don't make any money at all, right. you know. And some of it is, I mean, we can go through all the reasons why a podcast doesn't make money in a small audience. Um, well, you know, yeah, that's, it, it's that's a, a big one. You know, if you're sure. a small audience, it's hard to make money um, because it's harder to get advertisers to want to be on your show. And it looks like um, that the... Uh, um, it looks like what's happening in Korea is that the ads are helping quite a bit, right? You know, so that's, I mean, that's kind of part of the thing, right there. You know, it's um, funny. It, there is there is actually a section in this article that specifically addresses pre roll ads through Pod Bang, mm -hmm. and it says with host's approval, a thirty second long audio ad is played before an episode. Listeners can choose to skip after the first ten seconds. If listeners stay on for 15 seconds or more, hosts and Papa Bang split money uh, that they receive 50-50. Right. So this tells me another thing, which is this Papa Bang thing is probably a closed system and is probably streaming the podcast because you can't really get that kind of you know, response reporting-wise as far as when somebody's started or stopped listening to a podcast through you know something like iTunes or most of the big right well like if if i download a podcast points. and it has an ad and i decide i'm going to skip through the ad no one knows i've downloaded it that's all they know is i've downloaded it yeah and you know? i i've also heard that apparently overall the internet situation in in korea and i guess for the sake of clarity we should say this is this must all be happening in South Korea. I would think. But yeah. mm -hmm. re regardless, that the internet situation there is very strong. So it's not uncommon for people to do a lot of streaming on mobile devices mm -hmm. and stuff, which is 
catching on more and more here in North America, but it's not as common yet all the time because people don't want to bump up against their download caps and stuff. Right. Yeah. So so it's a little different over there. And it turns out like I'm not going to be able to pronounce the names of these podcasts correctly. So I'm not going to try. But there's an educational podcast that's very popular over there that has released two books that seem to be uh, of the same name and might be the same name as their podcast. So they've got, you know, um, last year, the book sold over 700,000 copies. So they're doing something in addition to the podcasting, you know, they're selling books of whatever the educational podcast was about. And there's a, uh, there's a political podcast that um, started a few months before the, their presidential election, I would assume, uh, in 2012. And um, it's still kind of going. <laughs> and so that's kind of a thing. Um, but it's just, it's very interesting to look at that. And, you know, I got to wonder with uh, the internet being different there and how people use it maybe being slightly different. Maybe, you know, a 30 second ad is like, oh, that's fine. You know? Possible. Whereas here we're all impatient. You know? That is true. I mean, most of us are, come on, you know. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting that that was going on, that people are making money. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going to guess that the guys in the article that they talked about that are journalists, um, you know, to describe them as journalists means they had a job in journalism before. Yeah. So they quit that job, apparently, to do their podcast. But if they're journalists and people know about them odds are people yes. are going to follow them over. So right. this wasn't just some guy one day that no. said, I'm going to start podcasting and quit my job as yeah. something that doesn't put you in the public eye at all. Um, so they probably had a following before they started the podcast. And that's the key to things as well. You know, you look at this and you go, oh, well, they did it. You know, well, that's probably part of why, you know, maybe yeah. they had some sort of support from whatever, I'm going to say newspaper or website they were journalists for, you know, you know what I mean? Sure. Like yeah. here, you know, you guys go do your thing and we'll we'll write up something about it. You know, I mean, who knows? So if that happens, that's why it took them three months to make money. Yeah, that makes you know? sense. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll bring it back all the way back to America here. So we'll go from Pod Bank to This American Life. I hope we're pronouncing and, that uh, right. That's just well. so fun. <laughs> <laughs> the next article, This American Life listeners are sharing audio in... Unexpected Ways. This is by Elizabeth Hansen for Columbia Journalism Review. And I meant to check this, and of course I forgot, but last year the creators of This American Life uh, launched a tool that allows its users to share clips of the show, Mm -hmm. and it's available to use through their entire archive. Right. Going back potentially to the beginning of the show. I'm I think not sure. it's I think it's the entire archive. Yeah, it's called Shortcut and I yeah. can't remember if we wrote about this or That's not. That's what it I was going to look up and forgot anyway. Well, anyway, um <laughs> yeah, I think we may have because that's probably why I know about it. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. Um, you were saying you were going somewhere with that, other well, than did we write about it? I think right. we talked about when it was launched that yeah. hey, this thing exists. Yeah. But I don't think we really followed up on anything beyond that. Right. Well, the article talks about different ways that listeners of This American Life are sharing the clips and what they're doing with them. And of course, when this shortcut project came out, a lot of us went, well, you know, there's the service called Clamor that's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as usual, we were all um, slightly uh, bitter and upset about the fact that you know, a product came out of the NPR bubble and did nothing to acknowledge the thing that came before it. Anyway... 
Yeah. But for those that don't know, I mean, you could literally just pull a clip out yeah. of, you know, yeah, one of the, the American Life episodes and stick it online. Right. I mean, it was the, kind of designed for you to take a clip from something you'd listen ex- to exactly, in an American, yeah. uh, this American Life episode and take that clip, stick it online. And I think if I remember correctly, and I'd have to look this up, there was like a visual aspect to this as well. So you could stick it on your Twitter account and say, hey, listen to this. And someone could click that and hear that just right there through social media without having to go, you know, off the social media site to go find what it was. And um, this is part of a trend. Maybe they started the trend or maybe the one before them started the trend. But the the, uh, concept with a lot of this stuff where you clip out stuff in audio seems to be, well, it's really easy to like get attention on social media with a picture. You know, you have an article, you put the link, you you put a nice picture and everybody goes, oh, look at that picture. I wonder what that's about. But it's harder to do that with audio. So this kind of clipping out was a way to sort of make it a little more interactive and make people want to click on that and hear it and then maybe go listen to the show that the, or the episode that the the clip came from. I think probably the the most interesting piece of information that comes out of this article is it says here that listeners also showed a slight preference for creating longer clips Mm -hmm. suggesting a desire to incorporate context right and i think that's interesting for you know the typical audience member of this show someone who's most likely producing an independent podcast because Mm -hmm. we've heard a lot of so-called experts say over the years that, well, you want to make your content as short as possible. And while there's a certain truth to that, there's also a certain truth to the notion that it doesn't have to be so compact that you don't get anything deeper out of it than, say, you know, a two-second soundbite or whatever. Right. And this shows that people are willing to make longer clips to get the the point across they're trying to share from the content. So I guess the wider takeaway is don't automatically assume because your podcast is super long or longer than five minutes, 10 minutes or 40 minutes that you're doing something wrong and or that it's not okay to maybe take some extra time to explain something if it truly creates value for the listener as opposed to just here are my five bullet points that and I'm going to read go. to you in yeah. two minutes and, <laughs> and go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you also have to look at this again in context. Um, the uh, the most clipped episode to date is a from a post-election episode of This American Life called Seriously. It generated 948 clips. The most clipped series of lines in the episode is from host Ira Glass commenting on the relationship between facts and truth. And it's you know, it's a little bit long. It's not a one-line thing, you know? Yeah. So I think, yes, context is some people are finding that to be important. But the other thing is, look at what this is that was so popular. I mean, yeah. this is, you know, any election that happens affects people in big ways. And it's been said many times by many people on so many podcasts I've been listening to lately, that um, a lot of things that happened with this, you know, the 2016 American election were unexpected. And there's a lot of people very invested in what may occur depending on who had won, you know. Yeah. So that's 
you know, that episode that's got the most clipped episode from This American Life through this shortcut thing is called Seriously? Question mark, And it's generated 948 clips. Now, is it entirely because they wanted the context of this? Or is it because everybody was feeling this sense of what just happened? Or at least the listeners of This American right. Life were. Um, so they found this clip from Ira Glass kind of saying a little bit about the relationship between facts and truth. And felt like a resonance with that particular part. Yes. You know? I mean, I think it might be that. And, you know, they were feeling something like this. And here it is, you know, in audio right there for you. So they clipped it and sent it out to everyone in their social media to kind of explain what they were feeling. There is one other thing that comes to my mind now in looking over this again. And this shortcut app from This American Life, and Clamor and other services that do the same thing are attempting to make podcasts more shareable online because right. podcasts tend to be longer mm-hmm. and it's, you, you, you will never, you know, in, in the Twitter slash Facebook age, it's hard enough to get somebody to, you know, say, read an article that you link to because you think it's relevant or watch a video, even if that video is under two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you go, oh, man, you know, the information in this podcast is awesome and you link to it and, and someone, especially on Facebook, if someone even takes the time to click through and then they see something that's 48 minutes long, they're not going to be in a place where they're going to automatically just stop most people. Right. Well, most people aren't, and listen. aren't going to because they can't, you know? Well, yeah, there's it's a lot of It's 40 minutes long and your that. commute has 10 more minutes. Well, maybe I'll listen to it after work, you know? Right, right. But it's 40 minutes long and your kid's about to wake up from their nap, you know? Maybe I'll listen to it later. I can't listen to that now, that kind of thing. But you just, know? just thinking about this app in particular and the stats that are in this article and the fact that, you know, the, the most shared clip was still less than 1,000 shares kind of shows me that this technology has still got a ways to go before it's going to be adopted at any particular level because I know that there are lots of other media online that are being shared with much greater frequency in different ways. And this is why I think in some ways podcasting will always kind of be outside that traditional internet virality thing that so many people want. And I don't even think that's a bad thing, but it just is an indicator of the fact that everyone said, well, podcasts aren't shareable, so that's bad, so here's a tool that makes them shareable. And the clip that through their one particular service Mm -hmm. that is... That is the only shared. That is only not, from one podcast. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. you can't you can't take that as any kind of a real test sample beyond the fact that there just aren't a lot of these services around. But the, the other side of the coin is this American Life is extremely popular, so you know that it has a large audience, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to have probably an audience where, to a certain extent, people are going to be engaged. They're going to want to potentially share the podcast. But even yet, under all those positive circumstances, 
they the most popular clip hasn't even managed to be shared a thousand times. So right. Well, in addition to that, though, I think you need to again put it in context. Um, this clip is from you know it was their post election episode where everyone mm-hmm. was feeling very strong emotions about what had happened. You know, if you listen to this American Life, you were probably hoping Hillary won, and that's mm-hmm. not what happened. Yeah. So that's who their audience is. Okay, right. so their audience it's largely feeling like maybe shocked maybe scared some combination of that yeah and maybe not everyone that you know has uh subscribed to this american life listens to every episode but they probably all listen to this one i listen to this one i'm not even subscribed to their show you know so i mean this is one of their biggest you know biggest shows probably and it's gotten the most clips but the reason it has is because it's connected to something huge that happened in the united states that affects everyone so, so you that, can't say for sure that, you know, some other podcast is going to get 948 clips of one episode. No. Um, especially if it's a smaller podcast and especially if it's more niche, you know? Like, I mean, I guess if this, if you think of This American Life as only having one sort of political viewpoint, maybe it's niche, but it's not as niche as like a video game podcast about a certain, you know, obscure right. video game or one about knitting or, you know, something like that. Um you know, I don't think we can look at this and say, you know, oh, well, it, it didn't even get a thousand, but um, it got, you know, it got 948. And the context, again, is why. Yeah. You know? Well, going from something that apparently is at least semi-complex to something that's a little more straightforward, the next item on our list is an article called Podcast Blogging. And this was written by Jessica Rhodes on her uh, personal website, and it's it's a, a short read, and it has some uh, interesting ideas in it. There's two main uh, viewpoints that I think are good, depending on circumstances. Uh, her first note here is uh, to get your podcast transcribed, and she makes a valid point that not everyone has the time or desire to listen to a whole podcast. Like we just said, they may not have time, you know, and um, and I'm interrupting you. You want to go on or you want me to just keep no, going with no. that? No, uh, but, you know, her her advice here is to get your, your podcast transcribed uh, or your podcast interviews uh, on other shows and host the transcriptions on your website for easy access. And, you know, that that's a, an okay tactic Depending on, I think, the type of show you're producing. I now, think it the, does depend on that. Like, um, the, that's like a good the, point. This show that you and I are producing where we're just kind of commentating on these different articles, I don't think there's much of a need to have this transcribed. But if you are doing a show that is heavily based on interviews or... Or if it's extremely informational. You know, if your yeah. topic is how to do this, right? you know, then people are looking for how to do this, are going to find it, and they might not have time to listen to it, so they want to read it instead, you know. In addition to that, um, you know, the, when I think about podcasts being transcribed, the first thing I think about is people that cannot hear your podcast. Yes. Because, you know, they're deaf or, you know, whatever reason, they're hard of hearing and they only hear a little, it's too hard to hear your podcast. If you transcribe that, they can get the same information, you know, they might not get the intonation or whatever, but if you're doing like a how-to podcast, they can get the same information as someone who was able to listen to it. And it, it provides more accessibility. Yeah. In addition to that, um, if you're talking about um, something important and significant, like, okay, let's let's look at the, uh, you know, this American Life thing we were talking about where it was about the 2016 election, right? Um, people are 
probably going to uh, have people have, and in the future they may do it as well, uh, start wondering what happened and start typing in 2016 election. And if you've got something on your website that's got, you know, a whole sentence including that, they might find your site and your podcast about it through Google because of the text you put there, the transcription, yeah. you know, whereas they're not going to, you know, they may not pick it up from the, the audio because how would they know, you know? Yeah. And especially if your if your episode includes several different things, you know. Right. They can pick it up that way. So I think that's really good. I suspect that um, there's a service she's pointed out on here that maybe um, she's highlighting for whatever reason, and that's more of it. But I think that when people say, okay, well, transcribe your podcast, maybe it's not for everyone, but it no. does help people who need a transcription because they cannot hear it. So it depends yeah. on what you're trying to share and who you, you know, how accessible you want to be. And there's two things that come up a lot of times with this discussion about transcribing podcasts that I think are important to consider if you're thinking about it. And the first one is podcast transcriptions are not a replacement for show notes. No. And I would strongly advise anyone who's going the transcription route to keep those full transcriptions out of your podcast RSS feed because as one of the things I do for money involves helping people with RSS feeds every day. I could tell you that those feeds can get large very fast if you're putting these long transcriptions into your RSS feeds. So don't do that. Keep them separate from your main podcast show notes. Link to them, of course. Yeah, so link that to the transcription. People, people that want it them. can go right over to the transcription, you know, without doing a big thing. And there's. I, I don't know. I, I personally haven't seen anything reliable that tells me that having those transcripts is necessarily better for SEO. A lot of people think it is because it takes your audio content, which at this point, there really isn't a real search engine, as it were, for audio that right. is indexing your audio and then making... Because how do you search the web? You search by typing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't search by, you know, uh, saying a phrase and then it, you know, the search engine looks for instances of someone speaking that phrase, though there are ways to use your voice to use search engines and stuff. This is an entirely different thing. That's, yeah, that's not the same. But and, like if, if your episode was entirely about here is the outcome of the 2016 election and your title was, I think they said, I think the uh, This American Life was, your title was Seriously, right? Yeah. How's anyone going to know that doesn't exactly. know who you are what yeah. you talked about, you know? So but then you don't necessarily want your title to be the outcome of the 2016 election. The, you know what I mean? The, <laughs> you want something a little more evocative. Yeah. Um, so that's what they did, which makes sense. But then, you know, five, ten years from now, somebody doing a school paper that wants to know about the 2016 election might benefit from hearing what you put in your podcast about it, and they'll never find it <laughs> without a transcription. Yeah. You know, yeah, and and the other thing is with regard to SEO, the nature of transcribing conversations is conversations generally don't occur in a format that is similar to how people write. So it's my understanding that a lot of search engines can sometimes look at SEO as kind of 
gobbledygook and or not SEO. Geez, wow, wow. Uh, transcriptions mm. in terms yeah. of SEO <laughs> is kind of gobbledygook because they don't make sense necessarily from a grammatical standpoint. So I and I, I want to stress that these two last points are are my own editorializing, and right. uh, Jessica mm-hmm. did not suggest. The transcriptions are a replacement for show notes and or no, that they're no. good for SEO. She's just saying it's a good idea to do this. And I'm just saying that for the most part, I, I I agree with that under certain circumstances. And then if you decide as a podcaster you're going to do this, keep in mind that A, it's not a replacement for show notes and B, the impact on SEO so far as I've seen personally is still unclear well again i think it depends on what your podcast is about yes you know, like and if that's you've the place got you should start that's where you should start like if you're if you've got a business podcast and you're constantly giving people advice about you know what to do and what not to do and you're picking specific you know key things that people in business need to know about it might make sense to transcribe it because then they're probably going to look at it and bring that into their meetings and you know have people listen to it and all that stuff but if you're doing like a more um i don't know like a personal journal kind of show do you really need that then? You yeah, know, it's I mean, true. it just kind of depends on, uh, you know, what you're doing. Like if your if your personal journal show is about your health, um, probably not that many people are going to care, but if your personal journal show about your health now talks about a step-by-step way to, uh, go through the process of obtaining disability insurance. Now people want to know, you know, yeah. <laughs> it depends on where you're going with that. So, I mean, I think, I think transcription is probably a good thing. Because at the very least, it's going to open it up to people that can't listen to your show. And right. it might hook you up with, you know, um, when people Google things to try to find it if your show's about that. But you kind of also have to look at it in terms of, okay, how much time are you spending transcribing? Or how much money are you spending for someone else to transcribe? And does that fit with your budget for your show, both right. in time and money? The other point on Jessica's article here is write a blog answering your FAQs. And I think this is a very good idea, especially if you are doing a show that is about a, a singular topic where you might eventually start to have people reach out to you and ask you questions, thinking about something like how to podcast, where you might constantly get emails from people going, well, uh, what kind of software should I use to record? Or what kind of microphone should I buy or whatever the topic is. If you create that FAQ, hopefully people will go to your website first and see that and get their answer and not necessarily email you. There's not really anything wrong with that usually, but the whole point of an FAQ is to try and defeat some of that constantly answering the same question over and over again. And then of course, once you have that online, if someone does email you, you can just link give it them over, the link you know? and go, <laughs> yeah. here it is, enjoy, and you know, follow up from there if necessary. And you can even put it in your show notes, you know? Yeah, You can do, sure. you know, name of show, whatever it's about, and be like, got more questions, here's the FAQ, yeah. you know? And then people that got to your page that aren't going to look around on your website to try to find where the FAQ is hiding, you know, um, might see it and go there instead. Now, I don't think it's going to d- completely defeat, like there are people that... I'm gonna put. I'm gonna say this. It's gonna sound terrible. There are people that don't know how to internet, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, by this, I mean that um, they 
uh, this is okay. In a nutshell, this is the kind of people who um, find a parody account for a fast food place on Twitter and start asking questions to it as though they are speaking with the CEO. Yes, and don't understand the difference between that. You know, um, so you're still going to get people that are going to like leave a comment on your blog about you know your your podcast about how to do a podcast, you're going to get people leaving comments on your blog about, I just bought this microphone. Is this a good one? Can you help me with this? Sure. That want you to like hold their hand and walk them through it for free. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's something to think to, but at the very least you could then just throw that link of, here's my frequently asked questions. Right. There you go. You know, I think it's a good idea. Um, and again, if your podcast is one topic about like a how to or something like that, um, you're only going to need to write the FAQ once really and not really have much need for updating. Yeah. You know, so it might work out. So what's the next item on our list, Jen? Okay. So the next item is an article titled stop podcasting yourself and the reliable consistency of podcasts. Now, when I first came across this, I was unaware that there is a podcast called stop podcasting yourself. Yes. That is the title. Okay. (laughs) So not knowing that I'm going, Hmm, is this like, don't, you know, do podcasts about personal journal. And like I was mentioning earlier, don't do a podcast about your health or whatever, you know? Um, or what your kids did today, like yourself, you know what I mean? (laughs) Is that what it meant? But no, that's actually the title of a podcast. And it's, if I'm understanding it, is a comedy podcast uh, from two two comedians in Vancouver named Graham Clark and Dave uh, Shmuka, I think is how you pronounce it. Shmuka. Shmuka? Oh, I flipped the U in the the M. Okay, Shmuka. Um, and so that's that's what uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself means in this title from an article in Split Cider written by Noah Jacobs, okay? So that's who they're talking about. Now, the reliable consistency of podcasts, um, I'm trying to figure out, like it says they had they have 457 yes. episodes, mm-hmm. uh, and that's quite a bit, actually. And it, I'm of the impression nine, that after they After nine made, years of... Of unbroken weekly episodes, the yeah. Says. See, so that's, that's very that's consistent. huge. That's incredibly consistent, and they always say that consistency is huge because then your listeners know when to come back and get more, and they're not disappointed when you're, you know, you sort of take breaks for a while without telling them and stuff. Um, so that's yeah, kind of neat, yeah. The you know? the the hidden the hidden meaning behind us, including this article in our own list is a reminder to us who produce the podcast or new show that maybe we should be a little more consistent about releasing episodes right right but i think you know this this is my belief and this goes back to our first article here about making money in uh you know korean podcasting on pod babang or whatever it was called um (laughs) if you're making money off of it and it's enough where it can be your focus i think that makes it a whole lot easier to be consistent you know yeah I think it becomes your, you know, that's how you're making money. I'm assuming these two guys are making money, you know. <laughs> if they're comedians, maybe their podcast is also a way to sort of get them more gigs or whatever, you know, kind of stuff. Um, I think it's easier to be consistent when it is your bread and butter, so and, to speak. Yeah, you know? and I think kind of the, the, the punch-out quote from this article, the real takeaway for, for most podcasters in talking about consistency is that, what happens if you produce a show consistently, regardless of your audience size, is people get used to it and they kind of 
expect it to happen and come back and they look forward to it if they enjoy your show, which presumably if they're subscribed, they're enjoying they your show. they probably enjoy your show. I'm yeah. sure there's a certain percentage of hate listening that happens in podcasting, but I think it's probably small. I really don't know. I don't know. But the this article says with 457 episodes in the can at year's end, Stop Podcasting Yourself is coming up on nine years of nearly unbroken weekly episodes. Two weeks off in nine years of service is admirable admirable by any definition, but in 2016, their dedication to the consistency became a source of great comfort. Every time a beloved celebrity dies, there's a new favorite to be found uh, surprising you with their stories to the boys uh, as you watch the ascendancy of... Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, go, let's stop there. Uh, when a bad new, things a, happen, a new president, you can, you take, can comfort. take comfort in watching Clark's own rise. But my, my point in, in mentioning all this is to say that the consistency is really what the article is pointing towards, that a pot, something like a podcast is seemingly, uh, I hasten to use the term innocuous, but it, it, to us, those of us who make podcasts on, you know, as inconsistently as some of us may do it, if it's on a regular basis, I think we can start to kind of take it for granted. But the fact of the matter is there are people out there, many of them who are listening to your show, regardless of their audience size, are never going to reach out to you, but they're there. Mm -hmm. They're waiting for your next episode. And it provides something good in their lives. And that is why you should keep doing it and more importantly, do it on a consistent basis, hopefully the same day every week, or whatever your or goal every is, other or every week two or weeks, or yeah. once a month, or yeah. whatever your whatever your thing whatever is, your, yeah, whatever your mm-hmm. schedule looks like. But that was to me the the real takeaway from the article for any for for most people who would be listening to this show, right? And I can see that that makes a lot of sense, you know. Yeah. And I can see where people are like, you know, it's Monday, I have to go to work, I have a long commute. Oh wait, my favorite podcast has a new episode. You know, I can see where that would be a good thing. You know, yeah. for people, but I also think like for a lot of people's lives, consistency is difficult. It is, you know. And again, like I said, if it's if this is the thing that's making you money, you have more of a reason to put that sure. as a, a primary objective. You know, when you get up, you want to do the thing that's making you money, so you can you know pay bills and live in a house and have food. You know, so yeah. things like that. Um, but when it's not, then there's other things like your day job that's getting in the way of that, or you know whatever else you've got going on. So I think it's. I think consistency is one part determination and one part lucky circumstances in your life. Yeah. You know? It is. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're going to round things out here with an article called uh, 21 Podcasts to Help You Outsmart Your Competition in 2017. This is written by Jeremy Goldman for Inc. as an INC period. Mm-hmm. And this is very, as you might guess, uh, slanted towards business. It is. And and so a lot the, of it is going right over my head because I just don't yeah. have a mind for business. But um, there are 21, 21 uh, yeah, podcasts on here you can go check out if you're interested. And um, guessing that they're more – I don't think the, any particular one is only tailored to a specific type of business. I think right. it's more generalized. 
Um, some of the stuff on here makes sense. You know, they've got uh, the Wall Street Journal tech news briefing, which makes sense if you do anything with tech. Oh, look, Ink Uncensored is on there in the Sync <laughs> article. That makes yeah. sense, too, actually. Coincidence, I'm sure. Hmm, but it makes sense, you know, for it yeah. to be there. Um, you know, they've got a few others in here. And then they have somewhere down here around 16, they have Freakonomics. And I kind of went, um, okay well, you know <laughs> yeah. it's a little weird at first but you know it's described in here as the show that professes to explore the hidden side of everything um which if you've ever listened to freakonomics or read the book uh there's i think an updated version from the original by now and who knows there may be another but um it does take like freakonomics says here's this thing that happened why did it happen and it backs up and says wow it was because of this yeah you know and usually the point between here's the thing that happened and this is the you know where it started and why it happened there's no straight line you know it like doesn't make sense so perhaps what they're trying to say is that if you kind of get into that line of thinking of not just looking for the most obvious clue and looking for you know that that's the reason this thing happened and it's an unexpected reason maybe you can help your business to avoid like weird things happening you know yeah and it's kind of a bad way to put it but like you know hey the reason we didn't do well this quarter is because this other weird thing happened over there you know yeah <laughs> and instead of going well maybe we should you know hire more people or, or fire more people or, <laughs> maybe you know. The, maybe the lesson you is know? if you're adding this to your list of business pods is that occasionally it's okay to, to think outside the corporate standard box. line, yeah. <laughs> whatever that may be. I think that may be true because now I have very limited business experience. Like I've worked retail, okay, yeah. so that's about it. But um, there were times when even Freakonomics could not help me figure out why corporate chose a particular thing. <laughs> and I'd ask about it because I was trying to understand and, and that wasn't really appreciated yeah, it, very much. There's so, no point you know, in ever <laughs> was, to Yeah, it was not appreciated. Like, um, like I can give an example without saying a name of a company. Uh, corporate decided that a cute little box of stuff that was called a snowman kit that would help you make a snowman. Yeah. Thought that should be right up on the register so everyone could buy it. But like we're in California and there's no snow. And I could never See, figure that if, out. Now, maybe if I listened to Freakonomics enough, I would <laughs> figure out why corporate would, thought that was you true. Would, <laughs> you know? You'd be able to track it back and discover that people in warmer climates really appreciate, I, you know, uh, the nostalgia of, of snowmen you know? <laughs> because they don't get to build them. Maybe that's what it is, you know? I mean, maybe they were all going to go to like a national park where there's snow because of elevation and <laughs> build a little snowman or, you know, I don't know. I just thought Freakonomics on this list of business things to uh, outsmart your competition yeah. is kind of a strange, strange thing. But some of the other stuff in here makes a lot of sense. Um, and there's one called Marketing Over Coffee. The Intersection of Marketing and Technology, and it's a casual show that discusses marketing tactics old and new. And I'd like to think that it's literally like the, you know, five, ten minute show you're having your coffee, you know, but yeah, I have no idea. That'd be good. I have no idea if it is, but, you know, anyway. All right. Well, uh, before we close this one out, I want to say thanks to a couple people. First off, Dave Nelson of Galactic Network. Uh, who posted on a, a Facebook uh, group thread I was involved in. He just said, Hey, Sean, I just discovered your podcast or news podcast today. Really enjoy it. Oh, how nice. So thanks for that. And then uh, I got a message on Twitter from Grizzly Smith of the Grizzly Growls podcast, who posted on Twitter, 
Uh, so on PCN, Sean and Jen said, we podcasters are way too sensitive to criticism, which really hurt my feelings. I was like, aww. So <laughs> That's the perfect response. Back. That is the perfect response to that one, I think. He's nailed that well. Mm-hmm. So thank you for listening. Uh, with any luck and maybe a little bit of consideration to consistency, uh, we will be <laughs> back with you in a couple weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find us online at podcaster, uh, uh, podcasternews.com. Thank you. Mm-hmm. There we <laughs> That's go. That's the website. <laughs> <laughs> it helps to get your website right when you're telling people where to find us. Yeah. And in the meantime, uh, don't forget to pod bang. Bye, people.